Yeah, life is, life is so hard. It's, it's just so hard, let's be real. And there are only two important things. It's seeing the glory of Christ, and that starts with recognizing that he sees you and has come down from heaven to manifest his love to you in the person of Jesus Christ. And then that when he was taken up into heaven, that he poured out the Holy Spirit personally, affectionately, powerfully on every single one of us. And so that's a natural transition. I said there are only two points. It's seeing Christ and, and, and loving one another because of that. So I'm going to read what you said. You said, um, if you analyze the greetings that Paul lists in, uh, in Romans 16, he lists, lists more than 20 at a time when the cost of paper was at a premium. Um, if there's anything that is really, really, really important, it's that we love each other. When we greet each other, take a few minutes and do it personally. The whole point of what God is doing is reconciling the world to himself. And when we're reconciled to God, we're reconciled to each other. And that is so hard. And I think we've been in a season in our church where a lot of us have been discouraged. And so, if we have time. Oh, good, we have lots of time. Um, the book of Acts will build our faith. Let's, uh, let's jump right into John chapter 20. John chapter 20, verse 19. Please turn in your Bibles together. Or Google it, or whatever you do. And, um, and let's begin with prayer. Well, Father, you know that um, I am not worthy to... to teach or to speak the word of God because um, all of us are, are but human. And I pray that you would powerfully speak the word of God, even though, even though it's me saying it. I pray, Lord, that it would rather be you saying it and that we would hear and be changed. We pray that you would convert our hearts to the lordship of the Son of God. We pray that you'd open our eyes to see him. We pray that you would dispel doubts and discouragement fear and anxiety and worry. We pray that you would build our faith. We thank you very much for the book of Romans and now this very precious book of Acts, which is the gospel worked out. I pray that everybody here would read the book of Acts uh, through on their own time and hopefully that many would read it through many times because I know we won't get too much out of the sermons if we don't go on our own time and read the scripture for ourselves. So I pray that you would convince us that that is necessary and that you would help us to put away distractions. Lord, I just pray that you would refresh us in your love. I've been tired and discouraged a lot and you remain the same. Your years, they never change. Behold, you are eternal. So we thank you, Lord, for that. We thank you for the steadfast love of the Lord which never ceases. We thank you that your mercies are new every morning. Thank you that you are who you are and you do not change. Please help us to see that and to see ourselves as living in the continuation of the book of Acts, standing on the shoulders of the apostles and prophets. Amen. John chapter 20, verse 19. Okay, we read in Luke 24, the last two weeks, Luke 
was written by Luke. Acts was written by Luke. Luke is his first book. Acts is his second book. And now we're going to read a parallel account written by uh, one of the apostles, John, the youngest of the apostles, whom, uh, who is called the, the, the disciple Jesus loved. So he and Peter have, uh, have just, we read last week, have just run to the tomb and, you know, they look inside, they go inside, there are Jesus' uh, burial cloths that had been wrapped around his face, folded neatly, placed to the side, and, and it says that John saw, and then he believed, and then the disciples went back to their homes. And then Mary Magdalene is there, there in the garden by the tomb, that first of all Sunday mornings, the first day that, uh, the, the day for which we celebrate the Sabbath on Sunday now instead of the last day of the week, this Sunday, the first day of the week, the beginning of Jesus' new work, his making all things new. So there's Mary Magdalene, and she doesn't recognize Jesus. He comes to her and appears to her, and then she thinks he's a gardener. And, uh, and if I'm getting it right, I might be confusing that with the other Mary. Um, and, and, uh, and she weeps and clings to him, and he says, well, hold on, I've still got to ascend to my father. You know, don't cling to me. And she goes back to the other disciples, and she says, I have seen the Lord, and quotes that he had said these things to her. John chapter 20, verse 19. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. And they freak out. When he had said this, he showed them his hands in his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. I got to tell you a joke. That never would have flown during the time of COVID. Can't breathe on people. In the scripture, there's a parallel between breath and spirit. Um, breath and wind and spirit. That's why he breathes on them. He's giving them of his own spirit. That's what's happening here. He's not going, right? It's not something weird. This is something supernatural. It's a supernatural. Um, he, is, he is imparting something of himself into them and upon them. And he said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive, this is like he's risen from the dead. He, 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 he breathes out from his spirit and the spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes into them and they receive the Holy Spirit. And what's like the first thing he says? If you forgive sins, we need, a, we need responsivity. Okay, I'll tell you. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Why does he start with that? Because we sin against each other. Living in this family, the family of God, is hard, 
and we still have this flesh, and our flesh is at war with us, even though we're servants of the living God, so that we do not do what we want. And that often means we wrong each other, and Jesus has a solution. He's giving them the Holy Spirit to empower them to do many things, including be his witnesses, as we'll see in the book of Acts. And the first of those things, he says, is to forgive each other. Praise the Lord. Now, Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, and he says this to us too, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And this is a word for our church today. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. The book of Acts is going to build our faith. Like Luke, at uh, and, uh, and like the book of John that we just read the second to last chapter of, the book of Luke and the book of Acts were written so that we might have certainty of the things we were taught. To dispel unbelief, to empower us with hope to wait upon the Lord, and to know the ways of the Lord. There is something that happens when we live in a world that mostly doesn't believe in the Lord. There is something that happens when we face spiritual opposition. We lose track of God, we forget, and we doubt. And doubt is often at the root of such troubles or sins as being easily swayed or double-minded, as being faint of heart or easily discouraged, as fear, worry, and anxiety, it is possible that some of our other troubles and sins are, at the root, doubt, which is also called unbelief. Like the four Gospels, the book of Acts was written so that you may believe, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. There are five books beginning the Jewish scriptures, the, the Pentateuch, the five, Pentafive, right? And... And the four Gospels in the book of Acts stand as like a new Pentateuch, affirming the old and showing that there's new life and a renewal of the covenant. But sometimes we get so burdened and troubled by the things of this world, 
troubles, sins, and obstacles in life, and spiritual opposition that we forget the Lord who bought us with his own blood. And that's exactly what had happened to the grieving, discouraged, disbelieving disciples in Luke chapter 24, verse 36. Please turn with me. They were talking about these things, the appearances of the Lord. Um, And as they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace to you. We're reading Luke's account of what John had just recorded because the Lord did not want to leave us without written witness of these things that were accomplished, because this is the foundation of our faith and the outworking of the gospel in the lives of those who belong to the early church. And one characteristic thing of these disciples, um, everybody put on your judgment hats and your critical spirits, they were doubters. Why did they doubt so much? They doubted all the time. They're always disbelieving. Why did they do that? There's no difference between the first disciples and us in a biblical sense, except that they were given as a foundation for us and that they, there were 12 of them and they uh, are built upon the foundation of the 12 tribes. Christ is saying by giving 12 disciples that, that was, those were the 12 tribes of Israel and this church is an outgrowth of the people of Israel and now Gentiles are grafted in. That's why there are 12 apostles, and that's why we're going to see in the beginning of Acts that when uh, Judas goes to that which was his destiny, that the disciples understood he's got to be replaced. So we're going to talk about why, but we just did. And that's why there are five books in the Law of Moses, the foundation of the Jewish scriptures, and that's why there are five gospel witnesses and testimonies, four different perspectives, the four gospels, and the book of Acts, the outworking of the gospel from Jesus' ascension and outpouring of the Spirit. Okay, Luke chapter 24. Jesus stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. He's always coming and standing among us, is he not, church, and saying, Peace to you. I never see Jesus come to you. I'm always having like these self-critical thoughts, not always, but a lot, and struggling with that kind of thing. Pretty much everybody does. And Jesus never embodies those things. He is always coming to me with grace, which is peace and empowerment to not sin. He says to them, peace to you, but they are startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. How many times do you think these people had seen a spirit before? This is the disciples, right? Shout it out. How many times do you think they had seen a spirit before? actually seeing a spirit? None? You think none? Well, maybe. Once, maybe. Once or twice. Anybody else have an idea? Think. Okay. Jesus cast demons out of thousands of people, and they'd watched him do that for years. How many times do you think they saw the spirit? A lot. We have none to a lot. We have probably not at all. I think... Probably not at all. They clearly saw that the demons were being cast out and leaving the people's bodies or 
uh, ceasing to be oppressors over them. They could see it on, their, on the people's countenance as the demons left them. And Jesus rid them of those nasty things like he still does today for Christians because we are often burdened and oppressed and evil spirits are real. But Jesus is here. How many times do you think they saw those evil spirits? My guess would be none. Why then, when they see Jesus, do they think they saw a spirit? I bet they'd never seen a ghost or a spirit before, but somehow that was their conclusion. Oh, they constantly doubted. They always had a reason that this can't be real or true. And indeed, it was too good to be true. And yet, he says to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. Like, I think they actually, like, squished and like, yeah, there's a bone in there. You know, if you're a doctor or a nurse, you know how to palpate, which means squish things. And you can tell, you know, like there's a bone in there, right? And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he's thinking to himself, how am I going to convince these people? So he said to them, have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it before them. And I think then they believed. They're like, oh, he's a real person. Then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. Let's get the map, please. You have maps in your bulletin. Um, would you please take those out? It's pretty small print, so it might be hard to read. So here's Israel. This is the Middle East. This is Africa. Um, this is Asia. This is Europe. Okay. So here's Israel. It's kind of in the middle of it all, and that's deliberate. There's Jerusalem, and they're there in Jerusalem, and Jesus has just been crucified on the hill three days before. He's appeared to them, and now over the course of 40 days, he's appearing to them again and again and again, as we have started to see. And Jesus says, repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations. That's in the name of the Christ, beginning from Jerusalem. Uh, the, sorry. The map again, please. Beginning from Jerusalem. So the gospel is going to go from here, from the Jewish people and the few Gentile converts. It's going to go from here to all Judea. That's this area, kind of southern Israel. And then here's like Samaria and the city of Samaria right there. Samaria is like where Gentiles and Jews got mixed. And there's like tons of racism. All of us are familiar with the idea that 
There's this race or that race, wherever in the world you live, here or elsewhere, and where race is mixed, somebody gets upset about it and somebody hates somebody, right? It's buried in human nature. That's called the flesh. So here's Samaria, and the gospel is going to go from Jerusalem to all Judea. Judea, there are Jews there, think of that. And then Samaria, that's where everybody's mixed, and there are a lot of Gentiles there. And this is getting into uncharted, uncomfortable territory, but not for God. This was the plan all along. And it's going to go from there to all the ends of the earth. So every one of these cities, every one of these communities, every island, every place here is named in the book of Acts. And we're going to go there. Um, these maps are for you to keep, to write on, bring them back, put them in your paper Bibles. Uh, please, uh, if you're willing to read a paper Bible, bring your Bible next week. We're going to make Acts personal, and we're going to put ourselves in the story, and we're going to go to every one of these places. And the end of it, Acts ends in chapter 28 with Paul taking the gospel to Rome. Why Rome? What? It's the biggest city. It's, it's, it's the central city. It's the capital of the entire Roman Empire. This map is smaller than the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire goes down into Africa, here into uh, Israel and into the Middle East. It goes into modern-day Turkey, or back then called the province of Asia, and so on. And it goes up into, this is Greece, or rather, this is Greece, and, and, and then this is Italy. And the capital of Italy today is Rome, the capital of all of this back then. Even going up into England and modern-day France, uh, about that time is Rome. Rome is this massive empire, and the whole empire was called Rome or the Roman Empire, and the gospel is going to go to Rome, and that means that the gospel has gone from Jews to Gentiles. We'll watch that progression in the book of Acts, and I'm really excited to go through the book of Acts together. Unfortunately, we're running out of time, so we'll wrap up here. The book of Acts is living proof that people like you and me who are just like the disciples, we who stand on the shoulders of the apostles and prophets are and are partakers of the same gospel and the same Holy Spirit are continuing. It's, it's proof that people like us were empowered by God to be the people and the kingdom of God and to be a holy people and to be united despite all our differences and to overcome sin and Satan, even as their lives were being taken away under the repeated persecutions that God had foreordained should be permitted to happen for His glory and for the sake of His people, for our gain, and for the sake of the advancement of the gospel. We're going to go through all these things. I'm excited because the book of Acts is a story. It's Narrative, you know, that's where somebody tells a story, right? You narrate the story. It's speeches and sermons. We're going to, there's logic. We'll break them down and follow the logical train of thought. There are people. Uh, we're especially going to spend time on Peter and Paul. The first half of the book of uh, Acts, roughly, centers mostly around Peter and the people Peter is with. So we're going to look at Peter and do a character study. The second half mostly follows Paul and one of Paul's traveling companions, our own Luke, who wrote the book of Acts down, after interviewing from the beginning eyewitnesses. Um, we'll pick up next week. If the 
Servers for communion could please come forward and take your places. I'm going to continue talking for just a moment. Um, what is the first verse of the book of Romans? Can anybody quote it? Paul, the apostle of Christ Jesus, or bond slave, right? Paul, a bond slave of Christ Jesus, you can cheat. Paul, a bond slave of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle. Nobody's cheating. I'm willing to cheat. Set apart for the gospel of God. Paul, a bond slave of Christ Jesus. In closing, since the book of Acts is mostly followed, more than half follows the life of Paul, I want to say that you will never be happy or satisfied in life if you don't fully receive the identity God has foreordained and created for to be fulfilled in you, to be totally sold out for Christ Jesus. There is doubt, there is discouragement. There's a lot we regularly have to forgive each other for because we're human, but God gives more grace. And he's given us the Holy Spirit to empower us to be more gracious with each other. But until you are completely sold out for Christ with no reservations, no walls, just an open door in your heart for him with everything Every day, yourself, your dreams, your things, your hopes, your wants, especially your wants, because we are very wanting people. With everything yielded to the Lord, you will find completion as a member of Christ and a member of the body of Christ, satisfaction, and a joy that is better than what we tend to think of when we think of as happiness. It's that joy for which we are created the joy in his presence. And in his presence, there is fullness of joy. Amen. Please come forward.